Hello, hello, and welcome to The Thin Blue Mind. Each week we will be looking at current policing issues and topics within the UK. Our regular panel consists of Steve Bradshaw, who is a TV and theatre actor, Richard Horton, author, and me, Dave Thomas, broadcaster. What we all have in common is over 80 years of combined police service. Now retired, we will be providing opinion and insights from the unique position of having been there and done it. Steve spent the majority of his service on firearms before being promoted to inspector, where he was a force incident manager. Richard was a career detective before going back into uniform as a response sergeant. Myself, I spent the majority of my service on the roads policing unit before going into CID and child protection. You may not agree with everything we say, but we will make you think. The Thin Blue Mind with Bradshaw, Horton and Thomas. Policing insights and opinion. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Thin Blue Mind. Now, uh, last time we were talking about the prison system, uh, reform, rehabilitation, punishment. Uh, But we're going to continue the theme, and this week we're going to look at the death penalty. Now, the death penalty was repealed in this country uh, a good few years ago now. I think the last um, hanging was in the 1950s or 60s. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Is it a fair and humane punishment. I keep in mind the picture of a man called Stefan Kishko, uh, who was convicted of the stabbing murder of a child, Leslie Molseed, at a time when there was no death penalty. And he made an admission in an interview. He was a, a man of limited intelligence, and he was also innocent. He was aspermic, uh, and the DNA that had been left at the killing of Leslie Molseed could not have been his. And advances in science enabled him to be freed on appeal. His mother, who campaigned throughout her life for her son's innocence, died before he was uh, free. And he himself died a short number of years after being released from prison, having spent a couple of decades inside for a crime he did not commit, and a crime for which, in other times, he would have been hung by the neck until he'd be dead. And that for me, as long as there is the possibility of a Stefan Kishko going to the gallows as an innocent man, I'm against the death penalty. You can't entirely make way, make right years and years and years in prison for a thing that you haven't committed, but you can at least be set free. There's something rather final about death that means that you can't really go back and make it up to the person you wrongly convicted because they're not around anymore for you to do it for. For that reason, because I always have that, that thought of me I'm in his prison cell, doing his prison time as a child rapist murderer and innocent, but also in an earlier age would have faced the gallows. I can't be doing with it. I can't go with the death penalty. No matter how deserved, no matter how strong the evidence may seem to convict you, I just can't go with it because there remains still the possibility of a mistake. It's the old saying, isn't it? Better that a guilty man walks free than an innocent man goes to jail. That, that for me is the, 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 the case against the possibility of mistake and the impossibility of making that mistake right again. There's two questions for me. One is, should the state kill under any circumstance? And two, does the death penalty deter crime and deter crime at that level? So we're talking murder, aren't we? So we take that firstly. All the research in America, because that's obviously where they have the death penalty in some states, show that it actually doesn't deter crime. Uh, There are a couple of studies that say it does, but they've been debunked a little bit because of interest in the death penalty. It it basically says that people at that 
time when they commit the murder are either under the influence of drugs or in a in a high emotional state. It's those impact factors, isn't it? We discussed previously the the stuff that causes an abnormality of mind. The, the very few are premeditated. You know, it's taken weeks in the planning type of thing. Most of them are the hot blooded crimes, aren't they? So, what's the difference between? sending them to prison for a whole life sentence. It's effectively, you will die in prison. I know we have that with the whole life sentence, don't we? The, the statistics don't prove that out. And secondly, should the state kill anyone under any circumstances? No, I think this is one area we will look back on in, well, we do it now, but especially in the years to come, and think, what? We used to kill people because they commit crime. The state actually killed its its members it would just seem as odd as other issues that went on in history so no uh, democratic uh, civilized societies should have other means to deal with the high-end offenders than kill them so no i agree with you richard the state does reserve to itself the the right to lethal force it's as we know it's it's reposted in the in the police service we we exercise that ability to kill people to shoot them dead, for example, as part of what we are able to do, if it's necessary, proportionate. Yeah. But the police service has that coercive force vested in them. Yeah, but it's it's a person may use such force that is reasonable in the circumstances, yes. isn't it? That's what it comes it down to. And that, and that's why it's enshrined in, in law, isn't it? But that, it's the state saying killing is bad, but some killings are necessary and proportionate and we're able to use force and sometimes that force is so extreme that somebody's life is ended i think that's what it kind of says doesn't it because we are matching the threat and just as a matter of fact the, the state still does allow some agents of the state for want of a better word to kill people yeah to use what such force that is reasonable i think that's always been there and yeah. and, and there's a big distinction isn't there as Huge. one's punishment uh, and one's saving other people and using whatever force is needed. I don't think I can put it in a better way than the actual Criminal Law Act says it, such force that is reasonable. It's interesting you say, isn't it, uh, reasonable force in the circumstances. Um, and that kind of brings us almost a sort of religious aspect of this, um, the old testament uh, and an eye for an eye. I mean, I'm with, I'm with you both. I don't agree with the death penalty. I, I can't understand why the punishment inflicted on somebody is the very nature of the crime that they've committed, i.e. losing their life. And if someone has to sit in jail for the rest of their lives, then then so be it. I think you're right. If there's a, any possibility of, of a miscarriage of justice, then there, there is no going back. We talked last week about the, the urge towards uh, retribution in punishment. I think the death sentence is a reflection of that. You've taken away our life, so we're going to take away your life. It's state revenge, I suppose, isn't it? And I think that's mirrored when in America they they have that the viewing gallery, don't they? And the family come and watch yes. the person die, and it's like, do you feel better now? Oh, you don't feel better well, now. Some might say yes, that's the thing. Some may say yes, I've seen justice done. I've seen the person that murdered little Johnny or little Jane. You know, die, and yeah. that for me—that's that's Johnny and Jane doesn't come back with the, back, with, right. the, with the extinguishing of one life, no. another life, should I say? Well, I suppose it, it goes down to justice as well, doesn't it? You know, is is justice served by the death penalty? You mentioned the Old Testament, didn't you? Just then, the eye for the eye, and you know, the eye for the eye brigade always come out with the positivity around um, 
death sentence and the only true deterrent is you know matching the crime etc and there's a lot of issues with the old testament i grew up roman catholic at a young age and you know the old testament the fire and brimstone thing but to kind of want to paraphrase jeb bartlett uh, there's you know he also says you kill people for having different crops side by side or wearing different garments and stone unruly children uh, yeah, there's, you know, yeah. for working on the Sabbath and there's a lot of stuff that got you killed in the Old Testament, to be honest. Do you think we were a lot more savage back in the day where we weren't as enlightened and sophisticated as a society? Although looking at the events at the moment, you could argue otherwise. And the death penalty, the taking of a life was perhaps not seen with the, the alarm that, that we treat it with today. There used to be a death penalty for a lot more stuff than murder. You know, that, that's been eroded away and away and away over centuries. I mean, I think about Australia, you know. You, transportation. A simple act of theft will have you on a, a ship to... Off to Van Diemen's land, yes. Going on to the king's land and, and killing something to eat got you killed. We don't need to go back hundreds of years, do we? We need to go back 80 years and see how we, the human race, has, has changed and how less barbaric we have we are in, in dealing with uh, the deterrent should be life in prison and life being meaning life, you will die in prison. And I'm not talking about your comfy prison where, you know, you've got your Sky Sports and everything like that. I'll go back to what I said last week, you're stitching mailbags or the UK equivalent of making license plates and you're doing that for the rest of your life. And you are going to think about that crime and you are going to serve that crime every day for the rest of your life. That's a, That's the punishment. In some ways, the killing is the easy way out, isn't it? And, and it's not only the fact of the killing, it's it's the method that are, that is employed. I mean, certainly in America, they have lethal injection, which apparently is not a pleasant experience. Obviously, hanging, and I think in some states, they still have a firing squad. In the Middle East, we have beheadings. They're pretty barbaric ways to die. There's, there's stories, isn't there, of the lethal injection, people dying it. An agonising, excruciating death, and you know you'll get the brigade who will say, "God, God, they deserve it." Well, come on, we're a civilised society; we are measured on that. And I always think about the alien anthropologist, where people are looking at us and thinking, and thinking, "What's going on?" And are we at a at a stage in evolution where we are ready to proceed and to move on to that next level of? Civilization, we can't, we're still killing our own. Interesting, isn't it, though, that sat around the table here, we've got some 80 years combined policing experience. And, oh, don't. And, no, but okay. <laughs> and, and, and we seem to be generally not in favour of the death penalty. But if you go out into the wider society and you, you look at public attitudes to the death penalty, I think there's more public support for the death penalty out there. Yeah, because it becomes a, a faceless person. That person over there who has done bad things, deal with them properly. When it comes to my door, no, no, don't, don't, don't apply that same rule to me and the people I know and, and my friends. Well, exactly. I wonder how they would feel if a family member had been found guilty of an offence which uh, carried the death penalty. I'm sure their view would probably change very dramatically. I think that's right. The, the history of alternatives would start being built and all the rest of what always happens. But there is a support for it out there. It doesn't go to the, the House of Commons as a, as a vote because even there, I don't think there's entirely confidence that um, it wouldn't get swept through on a wave of populism um, to reintroduce it. I actually don't think it would, to be fair. I think if you put a ballot, if you had a referendum, if you will, 
on that one question, a binary yes or no, I still think it would be no. I think you're right, but I think there'd be a lot of yes. There has always been a, a bubbling sentiment in favour of, um, of the death penalty in this country and in other countries that have done away with the, the death penalty. I think um, society at the moment uh, and the way media act is every every it's all headlines there's no nuances and that and i think if the argument were to be presented to the public it would be oversimplified and that's not a good way to vote on something and you know we only have to think of the uh, the brexit referendum not going there but you can see a daily mail center page spread of criminal a b c d e and f living the life of luxury after committing heinous offenses which you would have been hung for in 1950 you can definitely see that presentation coming. That would be an easy thing to do for a double-page spread. I can see that spread. Rich and Horton, soft on crime. Oh, uh, yeah. I can, I can never stand as a PCC now, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's against the death penalty. Therefore, that equates to soft on crime. Yeah. You can't trust uh, can't trust him with, with the criminal justice system. It'll be all that one. The criminal's it, friend. It's got to be boiled down to a soundbite, or as uh, Dominic Cummins liked, a, a three-word slogan, wasn't it? Yeah. Let's get Brexit done. Take back Death, control. Yeah, all that kind of nonsense. Hang them high. Oh, no. <laughs> Do they have to be high? But it goes back to the point, doesn't it, I suppose, that, and we talked about it last week, is that, and it's, again, the old phrase of only must justice be done, it must be seen to be done. The finality of a death sentence is uh, perhaps for a victim that justice is done. I say that there will be those that cheer from the gallery as the, uh, as the noose tightens. But I, I'm not one of them, I'll say. I, I just don't see a place for it in a judicial system that can make mistakes. Yeah, and there have been mistakes, haven't there? And you can have a job which is absolutely nailed on. You mentioned one last week, you know, you can have DNA, you can have fibre, you can have all sorts. You can actually nail on an offence. But you never know, in 10 years' time, there might be some other scientific breakthrough that thinks, oh, hang on a minute, there was there was an issue at this lab and all the testing went off for the last yeah. 10 years are all kind of in question. Or that expert witness was oh, not quite reliable as we thought. So there's always stuff that comes up or new technologies or failings. The, the, st- the stuff that interests me, you can, you can always, I mean, the, the whole art of competing experts in, in, in a Crown Court trial is that you'll get one expert say one thing and one expert say something different, and that happens. The stuff that interests me is stuff like Stefan Kishko, where the advances in science means that you can actually prove didn't do it. And that, that, was, the, that was the case with Kishko. The advances in science were such that they could then look at the evidence again and go, we've got the wrong man. Is there a crime, do you think, that is so bad, so heinous, that only the death penalty would do? No. Murdering an actor. That's uh, that's the worst thing I could possibly. Well, I've heard you murder a few scripts. <laughs> 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 it gets rolled around occasionally, again through the Mail and, and and the Sun, murdering police officers in the course of their duty. Yes, but even even there, I'm not persuaded. Should it be reflected by a mahusiv, a whole life tariff? Yeah, I think that that would be reasonable. Should it be reflected by a death penalty? No, for the reasons I've given, that I can't support the death penalty. What about, let's say, um, genocide? No. No. I think we're getting quite close to threshold levels here. But no, this the state cannot rule to take a life. Uh, am I right in saying that even in America, when they do apply the death penalty, it goes down as a an unlawful killing or something still? 
on their books because they can't square that circle in legally. Oh, you mean on the on the death certificate? Yeah, there's yeah, unnatural death or something. There's some really weird cause of death where they don't just say like executed. Yeah, there's still some which suggests an offence, like it's unnatural or unlawful in a way, because you just can't square. You just can't square it. You, we are in a position now where we've moved on. Like society's moved on with inclusivity and let people be who they are and quite rightly and we've pushed through all that discrimination and we've left the death penalty in the background and where where it should stay and I know there's been a rising feeling especially in Europe about the death penalty especially we get more and more right of centre or very right of centre parties being elected into power it might come back in and I think it's a, it's a, a symptom of isolationist theory as well, where we protect our borders and it's a bit of paranoia, a bit of navel navel gazing within countries. We've certainly seen a swing right in in elections recently. I, I, th- I think the desire to have a death penalty probably sits more naturally with what very shorthand, very broad brush, right wing political parties rather than political parties of the centre or the left. That that desire to have the death penalty back sits in that wheelhouse uh, and it is a view that is gaining voter popularity across europe at least i think there'll be a european country in the next 15 years that has the death penalty i agree and i spent a good chunk of my police career working on the major investigation team which was murders manslaughters largely that was our meat and drink and it would be interesting how i'm not sure how i could square the circle if we had the death penalty in this country, of being an investigator sending somebody to the gallows when I don't myself believe in the death penalty. How do you go about doing your duty? Because you know the natural process of what you're going to do as a police officer is to send somebody to the death if you're successful in getting the evidence against them and they're convicted. Well, that's a very interesting question, isn't it? And um, I suppose it brings us to the human condition that killing another human being criminally isn't right. Morally, it's not right. Emotionally, it's, it's just it's abhorrent. I wonder about the people that are involved in, in the death penalty that actually carry out the sentence. Uh, and I know in America, with lethal injection or, or firing squad or the um, electrocution, I think they have three three people that do the process, so none of them know which one it is that's actually killed that person. There's a um, thing in the firing squad of somebody always has the blank bullet, but yeah. nobody knows who it is. Yes. So the fact that they've do, they're doing that suggests that if you knew you'd taken somebody's life, uh, the guilt... And, and the trauma that it would cause would be immense. Yeah, and I, and I still think once the short-term satisfaction from the victim's family has worn off, I think there'd be a little bit there as well where they would reflect upon the death of the perpetrator. And that's got to hit the victim's family as well after a bit of time. So it's not just the person pressing one of the three buttons on the wall to deliver the lethal injection, but it's also the, the, the people, the wider people. And these people, offenders are on death roll for 15 years, aren't they? Yeah. Or so 20 years and stuff. And these people have, can I say, turned their life around to some extent, built up relationships and prison and with the staff and all the rest of it. And then suddenly... 20 years later, when they've changed, don't get me wrong, they still commit the offence, but they've, quote, changed and moved on, in a way, and then we suddenly just kill them. So there's an American podcast I listen to, True Crime Garage, as they pronounce it, but I'd recommend it. They had a, a 
case they went into recently of a serial killer. He'd killed three people in Texas and was sentenced to the death penalty. And then he was uh, commuted. And then Texas had the idea that they had to have reduced the prison population so the least risky 750, 750 people every month were released back into the general population. And eventually it came his turn and he was released. And he went back into society and he killed more people. His thing was killing um, young women, particularly sort of frail, slight young women. Uh, and that's what he carried on doing. He is the only person in American history to have been sentenced to death in three different counties uh, for three different offences. Uh, he did eventually end up being executed for his crime. But I suppose if, if you're looking for a, a reason um, for the death penalty, there's no reoffending off that. And you do get these occasions where you have a, some of this, this guy, a serial killer, he got his jollies from abducting, raping and murdering young women and dodged the death penalty twice. Uh, and it got him the third time. I wonder how the victims of the families of the subsequent victims feel. Less happy. And, and, and indeed, the, the local police from the area that first convicted him of his, of his first triple killing were saying, you know, we told you. We told you not to parole him. We told you he was dangerous. But you paroled him and more people died. Just think of that civil case from the families of the subsequent victims. Mm, duty of care. the state. For releasing him. See, the issue there... It's, it's the is, only... Yeah. The issue there is him being released and this stupid yes. policy of, of releasing so many people because the population was full. Yes. He should have stayed in prison. If he stayed yes. in prison, would everything have been fine? Yeah. Yes. So the issue there is not whether... Well, we should have killed him the first time. It was the fact of we shouldn't have had this idiot policy of, of releasing him. Yes, uh, but, it, but it happened. And that, I say that's the only thing of, of any weight for me that you'd put against against it that for some people... Three words that should strike fear into everybody. Serial killer paroled. And, yeah. Um, I suppose it's a, a valid argument, is that can somebody be so dangerous, uh, such a danger to society, and have no value to offer to society that perhaps they'd be better off dead? They may be better off dead, and you look at the likes of, of Shipman or, or Fred West that decided they would be better off dead to their own hand than serving out a whole life tariff or a really long tariff in, in the prison population. But that's their decision. For, for us, you can put those people beyond the reach of society. Although you do get those that go on to commit murders in prison. Well, it's interesting that you say that because, yeah, there's been quite a few killers, notorious killers that have committed suicide in jail. And I'm wondering what it was that drove them to that. There'd, there'd be different reasons. For some, it may be a loss of control. For some, it's looking at that sort of bleak whole life existence stretching out in front of them and deciding they don't want to live that. And the fact that the actual sentence is living that de that life day in, day out within those four walls with in, in prison. And the bleakness of, of that for the next 20, 30, 40 years is what is the most impactive on them. And I suppose that is an argument to suggest that actually whole life sentence in jail is worse than the death penalty. Yeah, like I said, you, you kill somebody, you're flicking the switch off, aren't you? You're making them live it every day. And I'm a great believer in that being the proper sentence. Um, I suppose the counter-argument to that is that, well, if they're going to spend the rest of their life in jail, how much is it going to cost us as taxpayers to do that? Yeah, well, that, that's that's a consequence of, this, of civilized society, isn't it? That we will have to spend money on evil people or very, very bad people and spend money to keep them away from the greater good. An expensive insurance policy against the mistake is the way I look at it. 
that can't be flipped on its head and be saying, therefore, it's going to cost us a load of money, so let's kill them. Or we need to have some kind of worth ratio. You have to hit a certain level on the worth index or else we're going to kill you. I think uh, yeah. society itself, it just has to be such, it has to be a binary decision of is it right or not. But I will say, I do think that we will have the death penalty in a European country in the next 15 years. And I think it's going to be towards the east of Europe, maybe. Yeah, that's likely right. Well, it's uh, it's a tricky subject, isn't it? Uh, for once, we're all in agreement. We are against the death penalty. Until the next time, take care. And uh, thank you for listening. The Thin Blue Mind with Bradshaw, Horton and Thomas. Policing insights and opinion. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. The podcast is in partnership with Policing TV, the leading policing media channel. So until the next time on the next podcast, take care.